on that list. Okay, so we'll we'll go ahead and we'll introduce ourselves. So um, I'm Boris Palchik. Uh, I am the project manager for this study. I'm with a firm called Foursquare Integrated Transportation Planning. We are a transit planning firm. We do studies like this um, all over the country. Um, and with with me on my staff is Rebecca Martin. So if you can wave Rebecca. <laughs> so Re Rebecca and I are, are from Foursquare and we are doing sort of this, we're leading the technical analysis here. Um, several other folks on this meeting are um, local in Lawrence and they are, you know, either they run transit or they are somehow involved in oversight of this study. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, I guess Adam, you can go first. Sure. Hi, Dan. I'm uh, Adam Weigel. I'm the transit and parking manager for the city of Lawrence. I'll kick it over to Margretta. Hi, I'm Margretta DeFries. I work for KU Transportation Services overseeing KU on Wheels. Okay. Okay. And hi, I don't have video on, but I'm Jessica Mortinger and I do transportation planning in the city. So we're we're with the Metropolitan Planning Organization. We do a lot of bicycle, pedestrian, and safe routes to school transportation planning and transits in that mix also. Hey. Yep. So what I'll do is really quickly run through this the background that you probably already know, but Lawrence Transit and, and uh, University of Kansas have been working very closely together for many years to try to provide as seamless a um, transit service as possible to the community. Um, you may know that they jointly publish uh, a, a rider guide that has all the uh, route information in it. There are there's some shared funding among the routes, and uh, there's a number of ways in which they coordinate and cooperate. Um, you may also know that there is currently uh, a new transit uh, tra transit hub being developed uh, or being planned for development at Bob Billings Parkway and Crestline Drive. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. I looked okay. at the site plans and everything. Okay, Actually, very good. There is one thing that I will ask about before I run away. What's that? How long is it going to be before you decide to have free bus service? That, that's a good question. That is one of the things that we're looking at, in fact. Um, so, as I said, we're looking at the strengths and weaknesses of the existing service. We're looking at developing recommendations that improve the system efficiency and also help ensure a smooth integration of that Bob Billings new, new facility. Um, we're also looking at the possibility of um, new technologies and new approaches to, to transit. And then finally, the last thing we're looking at is the impl implications of a fare-free system. Ah, okay. So, I should have just kept quiet. Uh -huh. Sure. But what's your view on that, on the fare-free system? Well, I think that, um, I mean, I am not a driver, mm -hmm. but I think that a lot of the problems that the fixed route drivers have are related to fares. Obviously, it's different in the current COVID thing, mm -hmm. but... And the fares are only a small part of it. And isn't there um, federal government funding that depends on how many people ride? Sure. There so is. wouldn't that increased ridership make up for the loss of the fare income? Now, I'm not saying the T-lift. The T-lift should never be free. I think that it should continue to be its $2 thing. But mm -hmm. um, I just don't see any reason to have the fixed route 
costing anything. It's going to really increase ridership if they don't have to pay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good perspective. Um, so I, I'll, I might add just a little context to that though, Dan. I know, um, yeah, just the comment about the T-lift, there is, you know, federal requirements are that your, um, your paratransit service and ours is the T-lift, uh, the fares for that cannot be more than twice your base fare for your fixed route service. It's okay. an equity issue. You don't want to force people who have mobility challenges to pay if you're not charging um, people who can use the fixed route service. So oh, it is, yeah. it does create some, um, some more significant uh, cost implications going fare free because it would be, it really would be system wide then because of that equity issue. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Okay, now I understand everything. <laughs> um, great, so continuing with, with um, our approach, there are three general questions that we're trying to understand as we study the system. And that is, what does the market say? What do the numbers say? And what do the people say? Um, the market and, and the numbers, those are sort of a technical, those are both technical analyses looking at things like demographics and density, land use on the market side, looking at ridership, productivity, on-time performance on the service side. And then the stakeholder outreach is where we are, we have an opportunity to get um, kind of information in terms of people's priorities and people's preferences and so on that we wouldn't really get through the technical analysis. So it's really important for us to hear from you and, and your fellow riders, your fellow uh, residents of Lawrence to understand what your priorities are. Um, so again, the market analysis, like I said, is looking at demographics and density. So we'll be the purpose of, of this is to help us put the service into context. When we see service that's not performing well, we can try to understand where would it perform better. If there's an area, uh, if there's a segment of a, of a route that has low ridership, we can see what the density is, what the population and employment um, numbers are in those areas, what the key trip generators are in those areas. And if we find part of a, uh, of a route underperforming, we can try to re relocate or reallocate the, the resources somewhere else. Um, so we're looking at transit, um, we're, we're not just looking at density, we're also looking at specific population groups. So zero vehicle households, persons with disabilities, all of these are good predictors of where we expect to see transit ridership. So we're looking at that as well. And then on the service side, we're looking at uh, a number of key metrics, like I mentioned, ridership, uh, productivity, so ridership per hour and per trip, on-time performance, connectivity, both in terms of you know, physical um, uh, opportunities to transfer from one route to another at a, at a shared stop, and um, connectivity in terms of schedules, like if the schedules align at, at these key transfer locations or not. Um, and then also environmental justice, which is um, a key goal of the Lawrence Strategic Plan to ensure that population groups like minority and low income households are not negatively impacted by whatever recommendations we come up with. So and one other thing we're looking at is a, as we're assessing the service, we're, we're trying to see if there are potentially new technologies that we can bring into this um, community to improve the mobility uh, of, of uh, residents overall. So a couple of examples of that would be integrating ride hailing services. You, 
You may be familiar with Uber and Lyft. In some communities, those are integrated in various ways. Sometimes it's just a matter of cross promotion. So if you were to open an Uber app, um, you, you may see transit also listed as, as an alternative option, just so people can uh, you know, compare to see what that trip would cost them and how much, it would how much time it would take through other modes and vice versa. In some communities, when you open the transit app, you can also see Uber and Lyft listed for comparative purposes. Um, the other thing that we'll be looking at is a new type, new approach to transit called microtransit. So microtransit is very similar to Uber and Lyft. Have you ever used Uber and Lyft, Diana? No, okay. I, I have a cell phone, but it's primarily to, re, to make calls. I don't have any added in that. When we start talking about um, stuff that requires technology, then... I'm 71 and a lot of my age peers don't understand cell phones, even if they have them. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's going to cut back on people who don't have technology. Sure. Sure. That's, that's always a consideration. Um, so microtransit is a service that uses the same, the types of vehicles usually like you um, are maybe familiar with T-Lift, but they uh, are, yeah, smaller ones, um, and, but they're equipped with a tablet on board that allows them to communicate through the cellular network with riders directly. So a person that has a smartphone could uh, dispatch the vehicle directly without having to call a number, talk to a dispatcher, schedule in advance. In, in, what it allows is kind of last minute uh, trip booking, if, if you will. So, so if you wanna head to the grocery store in, in 20 or 30 minutes, Microtransit allows you to, to do that just by directly booking your, your trip. And you can also see where the vehicle is on, on your phone and, and so on. Um, microtransit is not only for disabled or you know, other, other populations that may, may use paratransit service. It's a general purpose demand response service. Right. So it can be used by people who are um, certified for you know, paratransit use, um, but it doesn't have to be. It can be used by the, by the general public. Um, and vehicles typically are equipped with you know, ADA accessible, either lifts or ramps or, or whatever it is. Um, they have to be, don't they? Sure, they do. Well, they do and they don't. I mean, if you are using, if, if you're do, running a general purpose transit service, um, some of the vehicles could be ADA accessible and others not. If, you know, if a person needs ADA, then you could uh, dispatch the, you know, the paratransit vehicle or the vehicle in the fleet that is fully ADA accessible. So it's, it kind of goes um, both ways. But the reason that transit, uh, the transit operators are considering microtransit these days is because fixed route transit service requires a certain density and a certain land use to be most effective. And there are parts of most communities, including Lawrence, that, that don't have that density and don't have you know, sidewalks in some cases and, and the types of elements that help support and facilitate fixed route transit use. Um, so that's why we're looking at some of these other options, because there may be communities in Lawrence that are better suited for a more flexible model like this. Right. Sorry, I had cat issues. Okay, that's, yeah, no, no and, worries. Um, of course, I, don't, I won't put anybody on the spot, but just to note, we do have um, another member of the public, Adam Rankin, who's joined the call. So, Okay, um, great. I know we'll keep giving Diana the royal treatment because <laughs> she deserves it at 71, but... 
I know we yeah. got another member on the call as well. Well, welcome, Adam. Um, if you can hear us, then we, we're glad you joined us. Um, there you, hey, Thanks so Adam, much. Are, you, are you a transit rider? Um, I am actually a Topeka native, but I'm definitely interested in Lawrence Transit for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So we'll continue. Um, Diana, so as I mentioned, we are also very interested in stakeholder outreach and, and um, or I guess I should say stakeholder um, input. So input from riders and prospective riders, because we want to understand what you feel is working and not working with service. And we also want to understand from people who are not using the service, why they're not using the service and um, what, what the barriers may be for them and how we can help you know, them tackle those barriers. So there's a survey that is currently online. If, if you go to the Lawrence Transit website, um, there's a link to the survey. Um, I will do that. Yeah, great. We, we hope you do. Um, and also we hope you spread the word to anyone else who you think may have some um, uh, opinions or, or feedback to share. So um, this survey, it's asked, it asks some basic questions about, who, you know, who the people are that are answering the survey questions, how, if they use transit, how often they use transit, where they use transit. But then there's also a series of trade-off questions. And um, the point of the trade-off questions are to help us understand what the priorities are of the community because transit service is publicly funded. It operates with a lim within a limited budget. And when decisions are made on how to allocate those limited resources, sometimes there are difficult trade-offs that have to be made. And so we are trying to understand, you know, how do we prioritize these difficult trade-off uh, choices? So, for example, um, Lawrence Transit right now operates uh, transit service from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Mondays through Saturdays. Um, and the most, uh, the frequency of most of the routes is 30 or 60 minutes. Is so, the night ride happening anymore? It is. It is. Oh, okay. um, yes. So that's a good point. This is the, you know, general fixed route service that okay. I'm referring to, but it's, it's a good point. Um, so we're asking people to choose if they had, if they had to choose, would they prefer longer service hours on fixed route service or more frequent bus service? Uh, for example, service every 15 minutes instead of every 30 minutes. Um, do you, do you have a position on, on that? Do you have a preference one way or the other? Sunday. Okay, so, that, so that's that's the next series of questions, but on um, yes, longer. I think that I would probably say, um, you know, until there, I see a lot of empty buses in the evening um, and KU buses empty in the evening. And so I don't know about extending hours. And since I usually, I haven't ridden the fixed and I will probably use the fixed more when the heat goes away. Mm -hmm. But since I didn't even ride the bus until May, um, I'm, I haven't done fixed route that much. Okay. And so I don't know if I would, I mean, that might be a question that I probably would leave blank because okay. I'm not gonna answer a question unless I really have a feeling about it. Okay. Um, Adam, feel free to weigh in also, if, if you'd like. Oh, no preferences, not sure, okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, the next trade-off question uh, is uh, the one, 
you're you're a step ahead of us, Diana. <laughs> so, that's the second time I've done that. Yeah, no worries. So the second question is, um, if people would prefer Sunday service or adding Sunday service <laughs> or improving existing service. And it's really important to note that within the current budget, adding Sunday service would very likely require a reduction in hours or frequency somewhere else, um, Saturdays or, or weekdays. So uh, would people prefer to add Sunday service, which could result in a reduction in somewhere else or focusing on improving weekday and or Saturday service first? Oh, me? Yes. I would sure. say adding Sunday. And that's just because I'm in this, in that question, I'm ego centered mm -hmm. because I always have to find a ride for Sunday. And mm -hmm. right now I have a guy in my life, but there are things that happen Sunday that I would like to do that he doesn't do. Okay. So Got it. I have a lot of people who will take me places on Sunday, but it's, I feel um, more independent when I can use the bus. Got it. Adam, can I ask you a couple of questions? Adam Rankin? Yeah, feel free. Are you, are you um, considering relocating to Lawrence or do you, ha do you have any particular interest in Lawrence um, other than? I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I'm actually, I will be at KU this fall. So I was interested um, in just kind of the transit options available and getting around town. Um, I'll probably be commuting from Topeka probably for the first half mm -hmm. um, of the year. And I, even though I might be commuting, I still want to be able to kind of get around town without driving everywhere. Yep. Um, I probably am one of those people that should not be driving and should be near public transport. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I like to crank up my music a little loud, um, which is definitely part of my interest uh, in this. Cause I know you mentioned Uber and Lyft um, and having, would you, did you classify that as microtrans? Transit? Uh, yeah, that, that falls in. So it's, it's interesting because microtransit is a fairly new term and because it's fairly new, it's applied in a lot of different ways. Different people have, there's debates on what's, exactly okay. microtransit is. Um, we are making the distinction between microtransit and um, ride hailing services because microtransit in our definition is a service that is more kind of uh, closely associated with the transit operator itself. So it's maybe branded as you know, the same transit services as public transportation. Um, it usually operates with a uh, uh, dedicated fleet versus Uber and Lyft, where you never know, you know what vehicle you're going to get. A microtransit okay. fleet is a dedicated fleet for that service with okay. a set of drivers who are you know vetted in the same way that transit operators are vetted, trained you know, through you know a similar process. So it's a little bit more transit focused. Um, so that's the difference. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so the next question is um, whether people prefer more frequent bus stops or faster travel times. And the reason that's a trade-off is because um, currently in Lawrence, bus stops are placed approximately every two blocks along every route. Um, so the more bus stops there are along a route, the more likely it is that a person will have a stop close to their final destination. So that may reduce their ultimate walk distance um, before or after they, they're on, on the bus. Um, however, if bus stops are placed further apart, then buses generally can travel a bit uh, faster along the route because they don't 
have to stop as frequently. Um, and so there's, there's that trade-off. So would people prefer more bus stops along the route for shorter walk distance or fewer bus stops for faster travel times? So every two blocks along each route, I have ridden the one and the six, and those are not every two blocks. Yeah, so that's that's a general statement. You're right. Um, and another uh, thing to keep in mind is not all blocks are the same. So you, oh, I, know I know that. But yeah, still, but still, it's yeah. um, it can be a problem. Mm -hmm. So you so. feel so your choice is the uh, closer bus stop spacing versus. Well, I the, think that I think every two blocks would be fine. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be every two blocks and not four or five or quarter, you know, half a mile or mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. it's up to a quarter mile or more. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's my. Yeah, that's a valid, valid uh, position. Okay. So this is kind of related, but, but a little bit different. So the question here is asking about more service coverage or more service frequency. Um, so the bus, the bus network right now in Lawrence operates along major streets like Iowa and sixth, but some routes also operate along smaller neighborhood streets. So that's great in terms of providing more coverage and, you know, closer access for folks. If uh, buses were to operate just on major roadways, um, it would obviously mean some people have to walk further, but once they get to those major streets, you could have more frequent bus service because you invest more resources in fewer corridors. So the question, the, the trade-off is buses running more frequently, but on fewer streets or buses running on more streets, but with less frequency on any given street. Any thought on that one? Um, I would say I would rather have um, more streets. Okay. Adam, uh, as a, as a future rider, do you, do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I would, um, having more streets is definitely pretty nice. Cause it's, um, you don't maybe have to walk as far. And sometimes if you do reduce the amount of streets, it seems like you would have to still make quite a bit of a jaunt which I think would for some people would be a deterrent to taking the public transit. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Then uh, the next question is improving existing service or serving new areas. Um, so the way the service is, um, is now the transit service current does serve most key corridors and destinations in Lawrence, but there, there are definitely a few gaps. Um, so for example, there's not that much service uh, north and west of 6th and Iowa streets or west of Wakarusa. So would you prioritize improving service uh, in terms of schedules, reliability, and so on in areas that are currently served or expanding to new areas? How about KU? Does KU do that? Do they go into those other places? Oh, K KU service is primarily focused around the the, the university core. Um, so there's a lot of students who live mm -hmm. in those outlying places that are not covered by the <clears throat> regular T. I was just wondering if some of those places are covered by the KU route. I'm going to so jump in uh, here, Boris, and yeah. since I'm 
KU representative, um, the KU service um, has a limit with its funding mm -hmm. and it is a student fee funded service. And so just adding service where students move to is not always possible. And hopefully the students are giving lots of input in the survey about their opinion on this because that will help us determine how to use the KU funding for service in a more efficient and useful way for those students. Right. Um, it probably should be noted that there are route, students are not only using KU routes, so they, oh, they are, not. right, 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 of course. So there are plenty of students on, you know, we, we heard, for, we talked to the operators um, yesterday, the drivers, I mean, uh, they were telling us how packed with students they are in certain routes. Route 29 came up, they were saying Route 6, which is an area that is serving um, parts of, the, uh, of Lawrence where there's growth in apartment uh, construction and so on, that students are migrating to that route as, as well. So, you know, students are all over the place in Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so I guess the question, the point of this question is, it's always tough for transit operation, for, for transit systems to keep up with development and growth. And so some communities kind of, uh, sometimes it's, it's necessary to make the, the trade-off saying, okay, we have part of the community that is transit accessible um, and other parts of the community just will not be. I mean, people can choose, it's sort of like a lifestyle choice. People can choose to live further and further out, but mm -hmm. transit can't necessarily follow them further and further out. Um, you know, maybe can, maybe can't. So it's a, it's a choice that uh, should be debated. So, uh, you know, where do you come down on that? Um. God, that is, that's a, a really tough question. The reason that I asked that about the student routes is because I'm not as familiar. I've got the schedule, of course, but I'm not as familiar with the student routes. And I know that a lot of them do go to different places that the regular T does not go. And that was what I was wondering is if there was some of this stuff that is not covered by mm -hmm. the regular T if KU buses are covering it. Mm -hmm. That was my question. Yeah. And I know that they are in some places. I just, as I say, I haven't looked, I would need to look at the schedule to have some idea of the question I'm asking. So I'm just gonna be quiet now. <laughs> no, that's all, all good points. All right, Adam, did you have any thoughts? Okay. So, then we come back to the fair question. Um, we talked about this already a little bit, but um, so we, as as was noted, actually Diana noted it. There's um, a number of funding sources for for transit services, um, federal funding, state funding, uh, fares, advertising, all those things. All those things combine to create the funding that operates the the service. If there's a reduction in any of those uh, sources it could impact the ability to provide the levels of service that the transit operator currently provides. So um, the trade-off is whether you would like to maintain existing fares or eliminate fares, which could result in a reduction of service on some routes. So that's the, that's the trade-off. And then there's the question, if, as you have said, then the T-lift would have to be free as well. And that might overload the T-lift. So there'd have to be more 
um, options for that. Yeah. Of course, if the but if the if the stops are closer together, if the routes cover a lot of area, then you know that might. I'm I'm just don't know about it at all. Mm. I mean, I don't mind paying the extra money for the T lift, but mm -hmm. I know that it is hard to get rides mm -hmm. on it, even paying two dollars. And I think it would be really really hard to get rides if it was free. Mm. Yep. Okay. Good. Good if I could, yeah. how much is the the T lift? Is that the door to door shared ride paratransit service? Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. It's so two dollars a ride. Okay, it's two dollars. Okay. It's twice the normal fare on the fixed. Gotcha. There's an eligibility requirement, however, to use T lift service. So that's an important uh, distinction between it and general purpose transit. Okay, so um, we have another set of questions. If you still have time, Diana, it's seven thirty when the concert starts. Okay, great. So, it's Rebecca, Topeka. I couldn't get to Topeka to do this. <laughs> that means she has fifty-two more minutes to give us. Sure, sure. So, Rebecca, you want to? I'm going to stop sharing, and you can share your screen if you're ready. Okay, so for these questions, these aren't really trade-offs, they're much more open-ended questions. So we're gonna be um, recording your, your comments uh, on these little post-it note things. So the, the first question we wanna throw out there is, what are Lawrence Transit and or KU on Wheels doing well? How, how do you think they are benefiting the community? Well, I think having, um having a transit system is just miraculous. I, it's because I lived, I lived here for a long, I lived in Lawrence for a long time and I have driven, but when I was a student, there was not a lot of money for gas. And so I was trying to take the bus everywhere. And that was, that was when there was no citywide service. And the only reason I have not used the regular transit is because I do have a disability, which puts me on the T-lift. Okay. Wow, that Great. was Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you think they're doing, doing well in the community? I think the drivers are really helpful. I've, when I've been riding the, um, Regular T, there have been a couple of incidents that could have escalated and the drivers did both times an excellent job of um, defusing. And I've seen that on the T-lift too, but of course, here we go, COVID kept me off out of the buses actually essentially for 15 months. So mm. all of my information is old. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back. Are you back? You're, you're using it actively now again? Yes. Okay, uh, great. Not nearly as much as I did because don't, don't write this. I, <laughs> I really, really do not like going out. I really, I love my house. I enjoyed that year when I had to stay home. And mm. I, I just, 
somehow sometimes feel put upon that I have to go out. My primary care wants to see me face to face. It's been 15 months, you know, that kind of thing. So okay. I just enjoy being home all the time. Got it. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. Um, how could Does Lawrence Adam have anything? Oh, well, so Adam's, uh, I don't know that I have enough experience with it yet, Diana. I think you probably have quite a bit more years than I do. Um, having lived in Lawrence. I am, would you say actually overall though, that your experience with the Lawrence transit system has been positive? Very. Good, okay. And even that, that de-escalation that I was talking about that I've seen on the, on the regular T also has existed on the para route because sometimes there are riders who are challenged and get upset and I've seen the drivers do an excellent job of de-escalating. And I think that that reflects on the training mm -hmm. and the support that the drivers get from the powers that be. That's incredibly positive. Diana, have you actually lived or traveled anywhere where you've used like another transit system? Well, I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, and I rode the bus all the time. Um, how, does, how does Lawrence compare? Well, Lawrence didn't have anything when I came. I mean, we're talking Champaign, Illinois is <laughs> a little bit, yeah, more than yeah. sixty years ago. So probably pretty different then. But it, you know, it was the drivers were nice. I I enjoyed it. I have I have been really a proponent of public transportation all my life. So, well, good. Yeah, Let's try it out. So there, there are some questions actually that are going to be um, very relevant for you, Adam. Uh, and your your question about other places is is not, we 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 do have that question as well. So you're, now everybody everybody's like a step ahead of us. So that's really really great. So how let, let's go to the next question. How could Lawrence Transit or KU on Wheels serve the community better? Is there anything, Dana, that you think that that you've been like it's been on your mind? Oh, I wish they did this or that. Well, I think I've probably said it, you know, the Sunday service, it, it's mm -hmm. just, that's all of that stuff that you're talking about. Um, serving the community better. I'll let Adam maybe could fill a couple of minutes while I think. Let me, let's, let's ask the next question to Adam, because I think this one is, is actually very relevant for him. So do passengers or prospective passengers like, like, like you have the tools they need to understand the service and to navigate um, throughout Lawrence using transit? You've probably done a little bit of research already. So did you, when you were doing that, did you feel like the system was intuitive uh, and you were able to find whatever information you thought you needed? Um, from what I have done, yeah, I felt like actually quite a bit of information that was on the website was really well explained. And I thought that the routes were really nice. Everything was color coded and indicated. And I know that sounds kind of simple, but I have been to other cities where things are not color coordinated. I and mean, it's a small thing, but it makes a mm -hmm. huge difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe there is a, a trans, is there a transit app? There is a transit app, yeah. I have not downloaded it yet, but that is probably on my to-do list. Okay. What about you, Diana? Do you think that the system is easy to understand? Um, yes, and the thing about it is, is that one of the ways that people can get 
on the paratransit is if they are challenged with understanding the system. Mm-hmm. And so I think what that does is give a good um, fallback for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that I haven't had to call the office to say, I don't know where the next bus stop is or anything like that, but I'm sure that people do. And I would assume that because I have almost all of my um, interactions with staff have been positive. I am certain that I'm not unique in that. Mm-hmm. Great. It's great to hear. Okay. I can't say all. Absolutes are never correct, but I will say sure. nearly all. Okay, well, um, another question for you, Diana. Do you think that Lawrence Transit uh, and KU on Wheels provide an inviting passenger environment? Um, that You've already told us a, a lot about your interaction with the operators. What about physically? Like, are the buses in good shape? Are they, are they clean? Are the bus stops um, reasonably well-kept? Those kind of things. Okay, so I have a uh, suggestion about the bus stops. It's very good for keeping people, <coughs> excuse me, out of the weather mm-hmm. when the weather's bad. But they are a sauna if there's any kind of heat, mm-hmm. because heat rises and there's no exit for it mm-hmm. to get out. It's just and so there's really no place to escape. Um, I think that. But, but what I saw before COVID was that um, sometimes the buses were not cleaned. Mm-hmm. And I know that that has uh, been um, a priority and I think that it's important, but I could tell because <laughs> There was a bus that somebody had put their head on the window mm-hmm. and there was a grease spot. And that grease spot was on that window for weeks. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are, are, you, are you referring to T-Lift or to the fixed route buses? This was a T-Lift thing. Okay. I don't, I can't speak to the fixed route. I haven't, I haven't made enough um, rides on that. Okay. I started riding the T as a paratransit rider. I see. In March okay. of two thousand two. So I, my, my um, experience with the T lift has only been this, you know, late spring when I was able to walk the quarter mile to the bus stop and home. So. Um, I have actually now had three T-lift rides in, you know, since I've been back and I, I think the bus, the T-lift buses are clean. So I think that that might've been a staffing issue that maybe has been fixed. I don't know. Okay. Got it. Um, just wait for Rebecca real quick. Okay. So the next question is, um, what's a, what is the top change that Lawrence Transit or KU on Wheels could make to encourage transit use? Is there any one thing? Because we've talked about so many different topics about 
bus shelters, about uh, cleanliness, about the the drivers and so on. Is there anything, is there any one thing that you think could really make a difference to get people to ride uh, either more often or new, new people to, to give the system a shot? Well, I don't know. I suppose that some ad company could create ads that <laughs> would make people ride it. I think that that they had, there were, um, I know that they used to have free rides to the, um, I can't remember what it's called now, in July when sidewalk sale downtown. Mm -hmm. They had free rides during the sidewalk sale. And so I, I think that the problem is that people like me who believe very strongly in, in um, public transit and um, had I been able to work until I retired, I would be riding the T. My car would be only used to get to see my grandchildren and stuff like that in Kansas City. Um, so there are people who will take, you know, pay other people huge sums of money to drive them somewhere because they will not get on the bus. Mm. And, you know, I just had this, this flash that there might be, you know, every couple of months, maybe the bus could have a free day so that people could ride it and see what it's like. Yeah, good idea. Okay. And of course that free would not have to apply to paratransit because it's not total free all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next question is um, uh, the one Adam was referring to, are there other communities that you think get transit right and could serve as a model for Lawrence. And, and Adam, you can feel free to weigh in on this as well, because um, if you've just seen places in your travels, you thought really get transit right, we, we'd like to know what, what you liked about those places. So either Diana or Adam. You want to go, Adam, or I can? Go for it, Diana. <laughs> okay, so Champagne where I grew up and I haven't lived there since I was 17. I'm 71, you can do the math. Um, but their transit system is excellent. It has only gotten better over the years. And um, so the problem is that my knowledge of the bus, I mean, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, are probably together, they're probably almost double Lawrence. And that's the problem. I mean, Lawrence, in, in Kansas, we might be considered a, a medium city in the States, we're a small city. And so the fact that we have the transit at all, to me, is really nice. Um, so. Okay. I don't know what that's. No, Champaign is the only place I've ridden the bus a lot besides, but I've seen the buses in Kansas City. I just, I mean, the the Joe, mm -hmm. I just haven't ridden them. I've taken the K-10 transport, but not. Okay. 
Adam, any yeah. thoughts from you? Yeah, just real quick. The K10, that's the one that's Ride KC operates. Is it called Ride KC now instead of the Joe? Maybe. Um, it's yes, they uh, are. They're all operating under the same umbrella with one branding all over the Kansas City metro area. Gotcha. Okay. It's Lawrence to um, the Edwards campus and the Johnson County Community College. Gotcha. Okay. And back. That's really handy. Yeah. You don't have it in Topeka, though. No, no, we do not. I will say, um, living in Topeka, it is interesting because um, we are bigger than Lawrence, and we're definitely. I feel like um, just the way we're set up, we're so we're much more spread out, and so naturally, more people are like, you know, what, we do need a car, even if it's just kind of um, a junker. I mean, a lot of people definitely try to carpool or figure out a way to um, get a ride because sometimes the Topeka Metro. Um, from what I understand, it is definitely, um, it's a great service, but it's not maybe, they don't offer as many times mm -hmm. as people would like, and they would prefer um, the freedom to kind of choose, which I guess this kind of goes back to the question of, do you increase also like the amount of streets or maybe more uh, the frequency of the buses coming through? Is there any actually, and forgive me, Boris, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. What's the, is there any data to kind of indicate that maybe populations um, that are similar to Lawrence's would prefer maybe more frequency rather than the increase in streets? Um, well, for, generally fre frequency does in, does make tr improve transit ridership. The, okay. the, I think you might not have come on yet when we were looking at, at uh, discussing the market analysis, but um, okay. what we, we don't really look at the total population. What we look at is population density in a community. Right. So when you have high population density, the higher the population density, the higher the frequency of service that an area can support um, or that higher frequency really they can be justified in an area is, is maybe a better way to say it. That's so, right. so we are looking at the frequency. I mean, sorry, we are looking at the density, uh, both population and employment density through throughout the Lawrence area, um, kind of block group by block group. It's a sort of census, small census yeah. geography. Yeah. So that's, that is what we're looking at. Yeah. And that's talk right. about spread out. I mean, uh, Lawrence has really been spread out. The, the city commission had called a halt to it, which means we're losing all a lot of our green spaces in town, but the spread out that's happened is unbelievable. And somebody said 90% of the housing units in Lawrence right now are built since the mid nineties. Hmm. Cause the apartment houses are, you know, it's a lot of apartments are being built. Yeah. And apartments are, one of the land uses that we do look for because they have the, the density. Again, it comes back to density. It comes back to land use. Uh, you could have a very large area, a very large metropolitan area like Kansas city. Um, but if the land use is, is primarily suburban and you have a lot of kind of cul-de-sacs and, you know, s very circuitous streets, people can't get to or from a bus stop very easily. So even though the population is much, much bigger, it still ne won't necessarily support fixed route transit service. Right. Which, 
is which kind of gets us back to that discussion about microtransits because all throughout the country now, even very large metropolitan areas uh, like Salt Lake City, like Dallas, like Denver, a lot of these places are now um, transitioning some underperforming routes to microtransit because they recognize that they just don't have the land use in some of their suburban areas. They don't have the density, they don't have the land use, even though it's a very large metropolitan area to support fixed route service. So. All right, well, that gets us through the end of our questions. Um, and uh, that's really what we wanted to cover today. So if you guys um, have anything else that's on your mind, any questions or comments, we'd love to hear it. Um, otherwise, that kind of concludes our formal discussion. So if there's nothing else, then I'll oh, go ahead, Adam. I would just encourage you both. Um, if you, I know the survey was mentioned earlier. If you have time to help take that survey, that would be really helpful for us, um, as well as Oh, good. I'm going to take it. I'm going to uh, ask all my friends to take it, even if they don't ride the bus. That's wonderful. Yeah, because we do. Yeah, are interested in certainly riders, but also non-riders, because we are trying to make the system work for better for the people who use it, but also for some potential new riders. Um, the other thing I would say is we are also at the Lawrence Public Library tomorrow, um, pretty much all day. There's a few different blocks of time that we are there uh, doing. Um, kind of a hands-on draw your own route workshop series. So if you're interested in, in thinking about routes that, that you think would work well in Lawrence, we're, we're trying to explore some of that in a, a graphical way. So if you or others that you know would be interested in that sort of activity. I get to stay home tomorrow. That also I sounds have nice. nothing <laughs> to do outside my house. Take take the survey and then spread the word. <laughs> and if any of your friends are confused by the trade-off questions, you now are armed with all the information you could possibly need to help them out. Well, a lot of my friends, most of my friends are um, will not have any trouble with the trade-off questions. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, um, Adam and Diana, for joining us. And um, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for doing this. I'm sorry there weren't more of us. No, no worries. All right. See you later.